you know, the, the only thing that I, I will say about that is um, the email address to every consumer out there mm-hmm. is essentially your digital passport. You use it for everything you do online. You use it to log into social sites, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Welcome to the Programmatic Digest podcast, where we cover top programmatic and digital news. I'm your host, Ellen Parker, your very own programmatic sensei. Thank you for joining us. And before we get into today's conversation, please do me those three small favors. Follow us on Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Like and comment on social media. We are currently on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and very soon to be on YouTube, y'all. And finally, sign up to the newsletter on the website, programmaticdigest.com. It sends you one reminder every new episode or once a month as a recap. Hey, everyone, and hello, Pharrell. Welcome to the Programmatic Digest podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ellen. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited about this conversation. I am just as excited or a little bit more, maybe. Um, you are, for those who doesn't know Pharrell, he is the Chief Marketing Officer at Lab Intent. He's also the founder and host of the Minority Podcast Report. I'm sorry, Minority Report Podcast, uh, amongst crazy other things that he's doing. But how about you just tell us, how about you just let anyone that may not know you yet, who you are and what you do at LiveWorm? Yeah, sure. At, at Live Intent. Um, Live Intent. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's all right. People, people always... <laughs> you know, it's it, the end they, of the day. They do that. It's, yeah, and it's the whole live thing. People do that all the time. I'm sure <laughs> It the is Live have, Intent. Yes. I'm, I'm not sure going to edit anything out, too. I'm, I'm going to let it go. Let it go. So let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Carell Cooper. I'm the, the CMO at Live Intent. Uh, I've been in the MarTech and AdTech space now for 20 plus years or so, uh, various roles from uh, running ad operations teams uh, on the publisher side of our industry. Most notably, I was at Advanced Digital, which is a local news publisher for for almost eight years before I moved over to Live Intent uh, in 2014. And if you're unfamiliar with Live Intent, uh, we are a MarTech company. Uh, we provide uh, monetization and advertising uh, solutions for publishers and brands to help them acquire, retain, and monetize their audience, uh, all within email newsletters uh, and beyond. Uh, and as Ellen also said, I'm the co-host and co-founder of the Minority Report podcast, which focuses on highlighting people of color, women, and the LGBTQ plus community leaders within uh, business, media, and technology. And I absolutely love the podcast. Um, I'm not up to date, I will admit. Um, but anytime I have a chance to just say, not hear directly what's going on in our industry, because there's so much going on, but like just to like hear something that is still somewhat related and give me hope about our industry, I always refer to your podcast and then um, to Code Switch from NPR. That's another podcast that's really fun to listen to and highlights diversity. Well- that makes sense. Well, hey, anytime uh, someone tells me that my my podcast is in the same level as, as Code Switch from NPR, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing something right. So thank you, you definitely that. are. I think we, <laughs> we were talking about it before our recording, how much of a fan I am, because, uh, again, I think the key of success is um, just studying and and looking at people that are successful, people that have you know, really outshined and people that, that you can relate to. And I think you're one of those people for me. So I'm super excited about today's conversation. Appreciate that. 
which is a great segue into what we're going to talk about. So um, as you mentioned, uh, Live Intent is, um, is a provider in our industry. Um, I've used Live Intent in a few campaigns before via either DSP as a purchase segment already completed or with some of the services you're, um, you offered. At that time, it was still uh, email marketing. It was considered email newsletter marketing. Is that still the case? Yeah, I, I would say the majority of our business, yes, is definitely takes place within the inbox. That is our bread and butter. That is what we've built our business on over the last uh, 12 years is, is helping, again, publishers and brands uh, execute within within email newsletters. Um, with that said, you know, as as we approach the death of the third party cookie, right, and, and as our company continues to evolve and as publishers mm-hmm. uh, and brands continue to evolve, um, you know, we, we found ourselves in this position to really help our, our customers uh, figure out their first party uh, data strategy uh, uh, moving forward. And that's mainly because, again, we've operated in an environment now that the browsers are trying to get to, right? So when you think about no third party cookies, when you think about um, user consent or opt-in, when you think about uh, heavy uh, uh, privacy regulations, right? You're talking about email and email newsletters, yeah. right? And and because we also see over 200 million unique readers on a monthly basis, and a unique wow. reader for us is an email open or an email address, right? Gotcha. We are in a, a great position to continue to help our customers within the inbox, but also help them beyond email. And that brings us to our, our new identity solutions that we're rolling out, which we call our Authenticated Bridge Framework, which re- is really set up in a way to help uh, publishers uh, resolve a higher percentage of, of, of users on site, uh, mm-hmm. which will then lead to helping them better monetize uh, their, their site traffic as well too. And again, at the core of that, is what we call um, our non-ID, which is essentially a one-to-one connection to an email hash back uh, in, in our in our graph. Um, our integration works through uh, pre-bid uh, okay. and the index header, right? So um, anyone um, that uh, has pre-bid installed or the index header can, in, can install our identity module onto their web pages and um, accomplish the things that I just said in terms of resolution and monetization. Industry-wise, what do you think, where do you think the industry sentiment is in terms of the service, like the solution you're offering to either the buy side and the sell side? Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're we're in a place right now where um, publishers are trying to test out multiple solutions, right? They're trying to figure out their path forward. I think marketers are, are also coming around to figuring out what is their path forward here, uh, uh, post third-party cookie, and and I think our solution uh, fits uh, squarely in in the middle of that. You know, a few weeks back, um, the CEO of uh, Deep Intent uh, he posted on his LinkedIn account, and it got picked up by a trade organization. And he said the the top three uh, cookieless um, uh, identity players in terms of adoption right now uh, was uh, LiveRamp, uh, the Trade Desk, and Live Intent. And so we, we sit squarely right there with, with the big players in space. And again, I think it, it is for us, it's a natural evolution of the services that we offer because we've operated in the inbox now for, for 12 years. 
Got it. and um so okay, so I'm just gonna recap for my own brain, but mm-hmm. so it's it's slightly different than what uh live ramp and the trade desk are offering. But um so it is a solution that we should consider with theirs or either or. No, I, I, I think it's it's considering right now, mm-hmm. considering the space that we are in mm-hmm. and and everyone trying to figure out their path forward. Okay. And let's be honest, right? You know, publisher A is completely different from publisher B and oh, publisher yeah. C. Mm-hmm. And same thing with on, on the marketer side, right? So for for us, test test all the solutions uh, right. that are that are out there, right? And and you figure out as a publisher, as a marketer, which solutions are going to work best for you, mm-hmm. depending on the goals that that you're trying to accomplish. So I wouldn't say that it's one or the other. I would say give them all a shot. Yeah, I love that because that's what I've been saying on the in, in previous interviews. Most of the guests are are aligned with what you're saying, and it makes sense. You have to test more than one. You can't just. Yeah put everything in one basket. And if you are, then you have to really monitor and make sure that um, you're staying on top of how fast that technology is evolving. Yeah. Um, and, and to, to add to that, that that's how, we, um, okay. that's how we, we coach our customers as well, too. We don't say to them, you know, use our solution, don't worry about anything else. What we do is we, we give them the value that's behind our solution and why they need to, to use our solution to accomplish their goals. But every publisher and every marketer out there should be thinking about how they build a holistic first party data strategy moving forward. Right. And that includes email. uh, That includes contextual. That includes behavioral. That includes and and probably many other uh, avenues as well, too. Right. There isn't going to be one standard solution that's just going to. Uh, uh, be the end all, be all. It's gonna, it's gonna be multiple solutions, in, in my opinion. Got it. And um, I think that leads to the conversation I really wanted to have because quoting you from your article that you wrote in the Ad Exchanger, I think it was a couple months ago. How can publisher gird their futures? Um, you said uh, diversify your content, but don't hand over your best work to the wall gardens without edging your bets. So walk us through um, your your thoughts here for the article. So those who haven't read the article yet, it's on Ad, Ad Exchanger, and I will make sure to link it in our show notes. Um, but you basically break it down into three, like focus on what is working. So focus on the positive, which is a, a big value of mine, seeing positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that you mentioned is also like whatever we are doing right now will impact our futures. And you're speaking directly in terms to publishers here, but I think it, ref- I mean, I read it too, but I, I was, it reflected into some of the strategies I'm, I'm looking in right now and then experiment early. That's what we just talked about, right? We need to yep. be early adopters. I think our industry struggles with that. <laughs> I think we're really good at, um, adapting but after things went down after it went from zero to 100 we're like oh okay let's let's get on to this so talk to us like in your own words what was um what first made you made you write the article because i thought it was it spoke really loudly to both sides yeah and and i would say you know again going back to earlier my career like Mm -hmm. i said i've been in the space now for 20 plus years but the first 14 years i spent uh at publishers and so I, I'm really passionate about 
seeing publishers succeed. And I really have a, a, a great understanding and empathy for what um, publishers go through and, and how they're trying to, to move their business uh, forward. And I think as we think about the death of the third party cookie, <laughs> there's an opportunity here for a lot of publishers to really take back control and to control their own destiny moving forward, meaning to have more say over um, their monetization strategy, mm-hmm. to um, make sure that they're um, not uh, leak content or leaking data and losing it to other places, right? Okay. And so my, my whole point of, of writing this was really to say, you know, if, if you're a publisher um, and you're not uh, acting on your first party data strategy at this point in time, you need to really get going. And, and if I recall correctly, I laid out some examples of, of some positive things that Axios has done, that the New York Times has done, that Washington Post has done as sort of three leaders in the space. And whether you're a large publisher or a small publisher, you can look to those three to, to as an example of it's time to get moving. It's time to start testing different solutions. It's time to start asking really, really tough questions internally and mm-hmm. externally, right? And it's time to 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 be a leader and not wait until um, the 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 clock is done ticking on the death of the third party cookie to get moving mm-hmm. and to follow others. That that was my whole point of of sort of writing it, Ellen. Right. That's a that's a, a great point um, because. I always wonder. So uh, my experience is mostly on the buy side. So mm-hmm. I always wonder, like, okay, how is that affecting a smaller to even a medium-sized publisher? Because um, I I knew that eventually the relationship we have with the sell side we will become more almost like on a personal level. We are going to grow partnerships that never was as direct that it was before because of what of the the deprecation of third party cookies and i think it's great i think it's great i never was a big fan of you know just throwing the the net and then letting see what what we catch you know no it has to be strategic like we can't afford anymore to just do it that way and so what is your uh your point of view uh on that so let me rephrase my question i'm asking do you think small to medium sized publishers um should have a different approach. I mean, the Washington Post and all of them, Axios, they're they're pretty big publishers. We, um, right. as we can guess, but for somebody with like, um, uh, with less traffic coming to their website, for instance, or less traffic mm-hmm. coming via the publisher, what do you think they should do? Yeah, um, great, great question. Because obviously, um, not everyone is going to have the resources of the mm-hmm. Washington Post or the New York Times. So on and so forth, right? Um, I, I still think it comes down to that that individual publisher, right? So um, one thing, regardless of whether you're you're big or a small publisher, having and solidifying a great email newsletter strategy, I think, is super important, right? And obviously, I'm saying that partly because I work at Live Intent, but also partly because if if you think about um, consumers, right, that's how they want to receive information. I mean, email newsletters is the number one way consumers like to interact with brands and with publishers, especially, and that number has even gone up over the last uh, year and a half since we've all been home, not technically a year and a half yet, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? So I, I think building a, a strong email newsletter program, 
regardless of whether you're big or small, super important. It's a, it's a great way to have that direct connection with the consumer. I think that's one. On top of that, investing in content, right? Obviously, mm. people are not opening your newsletters or coming to your websites so that they can see ads, right? That's yeah. a that's a byproduct of of getting uh, of growing your consumer base, right? Yeah. So, or that's an output of that, right? So, investing in the content and understanding, really understanding why people are consuming your content, why they're coming to your website, why they're opening your newsletters. I think those are things, regardless whether you're big or small. Uh, you can do. The other thing that I think is going to become more important as we get closer to the death of third-party cookie and even beyond that for smaller, for mid-sized and smaller publishers mm -hmm. is think about second-party data relationships, right? So if you are a mid to small uh, publisher, if you have a unique offering in terms of the content that you offer, right? Figure out how you can partner with someone else that's interested in your content and maybe you're interested in their audience, right? Mm. I think there's a play for second party uh, data relationships to get bigger. We've talked about second party data for a long time in yeah. our industry. I don't think yeah. it's really ever taken off, right? But now, right yeah. but now is maybe that that opportunity, especially if you're a mid to small, small publisher. So those would be two pieces of advice that I would give. And it goes back to what I was saying, like that direct partnership. Like that's this is when we're, I'm I'm more likely to during a media strategy or a planning period uh, season, I would say, because this is always more than longer than we want to commit. That's where I would consider getting into those type of, of strategies. So second party data is definitely something that is that needs to be considered. Um, had a quick question and I forgot this. This happens very often. <laughs> All good. Time of, a different time of the day. It's not even, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. So we talk about small to medium uh, size um, publishers. Your recommendation was um, partnership with others, newsletter. Oh, okay. So about newsletter. So, yeah. um, so how, what is, what is a good what is three things you tell a brand when it comes to implementing newsletter strategy into their media mix or their media um, plan? And what I'm, why I'm asking that is because working with uh, a B2B client, very specific, uh, a niche, but brought up a few newsletter opportunity. Like, this makes sense. You are trying to target decision makers, managers. Mm -hmm. Um, at their own time, they control when they open. Like you said, they control if they open or not. Um, not interested. Tried it a couple years ago. Is not like how how should I address that that conversation? Because I think it will be the, such a great strategy for them. One of the strategies that they're running now. So this is this is someone to advertise in uh, email newsletters or to grow their own newsletter program. Advertising email newsletter. Advertising. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, without knowing who that marketer uh, yeah. or who that customer is, right? Mm -hmm. I, I would say the first thing is going back and, and looking at the strategy, the previous strategy and, mm -hmm. and why it didn't work for them. Because um, across our platform, we have um, we have seen a ton of success with uh, a wide variety of, of different marketers, um, especially over the last year, right? Because mm. over the last year, you've seen marketing budgets yep. get cut, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. what does that mean for marketers? That means that they need to really double down on platforms 
that are really returning the ROI for them, right? Because just because your your marketing budget gets cut doesn't mean that your goals get cut. You still you still have goals yeah, to hit. Right? You, you yeah. have to deliver. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so as we've seen over the last year, as we've seen e- email newsletter consumption go uh-huh. up and engagement yeah. go up on the on the on the publisher side, we've also seen marketers really double down with us on on the on the ad side, right? Because mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, they look at us as a, a performance network and we perform really well. You know, Got we're it. in over 2,500 publishers and brands, uh, uh, newsletters. Like I said, we see over 200 million uniques a month. And for us, just so you know, as a marketer, right, um, we only run an auction and deliver uh, an ad campaign when a user actually opens the newsletter. And then if they have to download images, to download images. So, mm-hmm. We don't we don't run an auction based on sends. We run an auction based on the mm-hmm. person actually opening the newsletter. So yeah. not only as a marketer, not only are you targeting publishers' most engaged audience because they're yeah. the ones that have handed over their email address and said, you know, send me me newsletters, but you're targeting their most engaged audience when they're actually engaged with the content in their in their inbox. And so that's why our, our platform performs well. So I would I would want to go back and look at your customer and, and see what strategy they tried to implement in the past and why maybe that that didn't work and really talk to them about the value of of email newsletters because that value has never been as high as it is uh, today. Yeah, and uh, one of the reasons why I suggested that is because I I never was a big advocate for a newsletter. I think the newsletter I've signed up before have abused my trust. Well, uh, that's, a that's a problem. That's a problem. In terms of delivering my inbox, and I'm yeah. just like, yo, chill. But now I think some of the publishers I'm following, like, and I'm naming them, at at exchangers doing really great media posts, e-marketers, mm-hmm. and you like the one, um, the one thingy. I actually just, just uh, the one chart. Sorry, I just signed up to live intent one um, newsletter. So ah, all of them you. are weekly. Yeah. So if it's like a weekly cadence, I am happy. Because it's controlled and I can open mm-hmm. it whenever I can. The U of Digital is doing a great job at newsletter too. Um, so those you know, some of my I, if, yeah. If I, and if I can add one point to yeah, that, yeah, right? yeah. because I, I think you bring up something very interesting, right? In terms of maybe your your trust being abused by by a publisher in the past. Yeah. I always like to say that the the email newsletter is really the um, the greatest contract, digital contract you can have between a publisher and a brand and a consumer, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are essentially shaking hands, right? And saying, I'm going to give you my email address, right? Which is, which is very personal and valuable to me. And in return, I'm expecting you to provide me a service, right? And that service can be sending me great content, Mm -hmm. but, but at any moment and point in time, when you don't think the publisher or the brand is living up to their end of the bargain, Mm -hmm. you can end that contract by hitting the unsubscribe button. And that, and that's why it's also super valuable as well too, from a consumer perspective. There is one that I, I cannot unsubscribe is it's never worked. I'm going to call them out. I don't care. It's called, it's my fitness pal. Um, the newsletter is, I keep on scribing like, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, thank you for your services, but I'm not interested anymore. It keeps coming. But uh, it's one mm-hmm. of those things. And I wonder if the browser, I like my browser is just, I need to reset something on my browser, but it's very interesting. 
Um, but I do remember the question I wanted to ask really quickly before we pivot into <laughs> the closing sure. segment. Um, it's uh, Apple's latest release, um, IDFA. Um, is that, I would assume, it would have a big effect on your, I guess, your day-to-day or your clients or your services that you offer, right? Like the latest release. Yeah, um, you know, for for us, um, not all that much. Again, because remember, we 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 don't operate um, within app, right? Email yeah. newsletters, right? You can open uh, on you know in the Gmail uh, account. You can open an Outlook. You, it, it's the mail client, right? So so for us, um, it, it it still is you know business as usual for us and and for our clients. You know, the, the only thing that I, I will say about that is um, the email address to every consumer out there mm-hmm. is essentially your digital passport. You use it for everything you do online. You use it to log into social sites, Facebook, Instagram, you know, whatever, you know, your social sites are. You use it to buy things, whether that's on eBay, oh, Amazon, yeah. your your favorite retailer. Yeah. And you even use it to log into streaming services, right? Yep. If you've got, you know, Netflix or Sling TV or Hulu, it all starts with your email address. So at the end of the day, there isn't much you can do today from a digital perspective without your email address. And so, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that email and the email address won't play some type of role in the future of digital marketing. It, it has to because of, again, it's a part of everyone's everyday yeah. life, right? And so, you know, that, that is my, my answer to, to your question. One, yeah. um, uh, the, the changes really haven't affected our business and our customers at, at Live Intent. And two, um, while I think, you know, a lot of the changes that are being enacted I think are good because they're, you know, it, it has the consumer and consumer privacy uh, at the heart of it. And that's always super important and should always be first. But I, I still feel at the end of the day, email is super important uh, in, in many aspects in our digital lives. That's, that's a great answer. And I think that's the best way for us to close this segment. Um, and um, yeah, I have no follow-up question, which doesn't happen very often, but um <laughs> I'm definitely grateful for uh, the major bars and gems you just dropped. So let's go ahead and close uh, with some fun questions I like to ask. So, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> what are three fun facts you can share with us and the listeners? Three fun facts about me. All right. Uh, one, uh, I love to cycle. I've got it. I got into cycling probably about uh, five years ago. Oh, nice. Uh, I completed my first century last year, 100 miles. Wow. Uh, great. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, that is that's one fun fact. Let's see. Another one. My favorite I, sport. I could have guessed that because I follow you on Instagram and I see you all the time <laughs> sharing. And I'm always like, dang, I got to get up and at least walk around this house or something. <laughs> so I got I to get myself up. <laughs> but yeah, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. You know, on the flip side of that, the other fun fact is like it's barbecue season and I love grilling. Oh, and I love cooking. So that'll be the other thing you'll start to see more and more on my Instagram account is me I outside may, grilling. I and may have to mute you then for a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Because uh, I, I have a really good friend of mine and uh, she her Instagram is Pal- Pal- Palette Awakener. 
And she's always visiting and she's like a food critic and she's always visiting these uh, restaurants in um, in the 757 area. So Virginia, Virginia Beach area, up the D.C. And she travels sometimes and I'm yeah. always drooling. I told her, because I love you, sis, but otherwise I, I, sh- I, I should mute you. I have to get up every time I see something on your on your story. But anyway, <laughs> well, you know, I, I work off the I burn the calories with the cycling and then I add them back on with the barbecue. There you go. There you go. There you go. Life and is the, sweet. There you go. And the third one is uh, my favorite sport is is baseball. I'm a huge New York Mets fan and it's baseball season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping to get back out there to watch some games this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I wonder if uh, do you know if they're going to have. Um, uh, public games. Yeah, like I know so, the NBA has not said that. Yeah, yes. so baseball right now, the Mets I think allow twenty to thirty percent capacity within okay. the stadium. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously the difference between the NBA and and baseball mm-hmm. is baseball is outdoors, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think as we get deeper into the summer, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, you know, numbers, COVID cases continue to go down, and, yeah, and uh, they'll allow sure. more people back. Yep, for sure. Okay, so the next question is, um, what is the latest book or Audible you've read or listened to? Ah, so here you go. I got this one right here in handy, right? Uh So uh, we are actually about to start a book club. Uh, We're revitalizing our book club and and our marketing team at Live Intent. And this is the book that we will be reading. Uh, so I need to start reading this book. <laughs> so, so how does the book club work? So you guys read it and then you meet? Yes. Yeah. So we, we all decide together as a group, what book we want to read. And then we set a date. Everyone has to read the book by then. And, mm-hmm. uh, then we get together and we, we usually try to pick a marketing book and, um, our discussions are usually around what we've learned from the book and then how can we apply it to what we do at live intent from a marketing perspective. Can I join the book club? That sounds really <laughs> cool. <laughs> I can just like be silent and just listen to you guys. I am part of a book club too. It's called it's a morning meetup and we meet every morning. It's a it's a group of entrepreneurs that just hop on the call every morning and we have a business coach and we literally read the same book and we read a chapter or two, depending on how large a chapter, every single day. And I've joined in February and we're on like our fifth book so far and the one we're reading right now is called dreams are built overnight by david chens okay Um, but right before that was atomic uh, atomic habit by james clear and that one was really good i strongly recommend that one it's not 100 percent marketing but man like you can i can definitely say your team or even yourself because i've applied that as in my career and my my work but also my personal life so yeah super great great book to read um, all right. So yeah. last question before we close is um, if you had to give your younger self a an advice as you started in the industry, like a freshman who started in this industry, what would it be? Um, it, it would be to show up as yourself and, and be your authentic self uh, as much as you possibly can be. I, I think um, uh, uh, I, I think a lot of uh, people that are breaking into industries, especially, you know, people of color, women, um, LGBTQ plus community and other underrepresented groups. Mm-hmm. I think um, far too often um, uh, we, we code switch uh, and, and, and we don't uh, be our, our true selves. And I feel like when you do that, 
um, you lose a bit of yourself as well, too. And maybe you're not performing as well as you could be performing because you're not really comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the more we can all be comfortable with who we are, the more we can all be uh, our, our true selves and show up as our authentic selves, I think the better we will be um, at work and in life in general. And so that's what I would go back and tell myself. Wow, that's so perfect. Um, no better way to end uh, the interview because I've code switched and I still find myself code switching sometime. And I know that sometimes you know, people tell you, but you got to play the game. And I'm like, yeah, but if the game has to change who you are, what game are we playing? Right. So I love that. And that's why I'm such a big fan of your work and the Minority Report uh, podcast so because it's it, it was really, it came in my life it filled in a little void in my life because just like the reason why you started, um, I remember on one of your episodes, you talked about why you started because of the lack of diversity at conferences. I mean, I used to go to conferences and being the only black girl like in the whole room. And I used to look around, but at an ad agency, because again, my experience is mainly at ad agencies. It was the same thing. One of the only ones uh, in office at that time. So it's really refreshing to to see that, all right, I'm not the only one feeling that, but at the same time, like people like yourself and Eric and other other guests on your podcast are absolutely fighting for that. So thank you. Thank you so much for dropping by. We're so excited to have you. Um, I know we're going to cross path eventually, but absolutely. thank you again for uh, making the time. Glad to be here. Thank you, Ellen, for, for having me. Enjoyed the conversation. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the day when we can all get back together in person and, and meet in person as well. And eat your barbecue. Hey, yes. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. And we hope you enjoyed it. Please do us three small favors. Follow us on Apple iTunes and leave us a review. Like and comment on all social media. Sign up to our newsletter on the website, programmaticdigest.com, which sends you one reminder every new episode or once a month as a recap. For any articles, topics, and the guest information, you can find it in the show notes on our website, programmaticdigest.com. Thank you and stay curious, my friend.